0: Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen to this message, it helps you grow closer to God and inspires you to live like Jesus. Thanks for listening. Here's the message. And then I hope that you all have enjoyed this series. At the end of this series, we'll pop up a QR code, um, and then you can kind of take a screenshot of that QR code and all that. But we wanna know what you've thought of this series. Um, we went nine weeks um, through the summer talking about worship, and today I'm going to conclude that series. And I believe that I have really a word from the Lord. I, I told you last week, and then even in week one, that I was going to conclude it by talking about God's favorite house, and we're going to look at David's makeshift tabernacle. But this week, as I was studying, I just felt the Lord nudge me in a different direction, and so I really wanted to. Um, you know, not my plans, but what he wanted and wanted to communicate what he wanted for today. And so we're going to do that. But before we do, I want to share a story with you guys. I've actually heard this story since I was a kid and I was reading something this week. I think the first time I ever heard this story was my dad telling me this when I was a kid. Uh, but I was actually, I don't even remember what it was I was reading and I came across this story. Now let me just start it off by telling you, this story has nothing to do with this message. It's just a, it's just a funny story. So I wanted to tell you, there was a young man Who was preaching? And I remember my first time preaching. I was uh, I spoke in my youth group when I was a kid, and I spoke about eagles. I've always loved eagles, and so my first message was about eagles. And I studied and studied and studied. I I was 16, 17 years old. I hadn't even accepted the call into ministry yet, but my youth pastor asked me to speak, and so I had this message prepared. And when I'd go through it not in front of people. It was like 17 minutes long. And I thought, hey, for my first message, that's great. I finished preaching my first message. I got done in six and a half minutes. And I thought, that's too short. So I did it again. I preached the same message twice, you know, just kind of like got me a little, got me a little longer. But anyway, there was a man, a young man who was preaching his first message ever. And uh, he read his text from Revelation chapter 22. And he said, behold, I come quickly. And as he read that text, he got a little bit nervous as he looked out at the crowd and got, began to get a little bit nervous that people were out there and he forgot what he was going to say next. And so I remember the guy that taught him how to speak and preach said, hey, if you get nervous, just reread your text. It might help it come back to mind. So he said, behold, I come quickly. Still could not remember what he was going to say, what came next, and he thought, at this point in time, he's frustrated, angry at himself, And he kind of says it boldly and loudly. He says, behold, I come quickly. But when he said that, he tripped. And he fell into the lap of an older lady on the front row. And he said, excuse me, excuse me. And she said, don't worry. She said, you warned me three times. I just didn't pay attention. Anyway, I thought that was kind of a funny story. Hey, if you have a Bible, turn with me to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis 22. This is our key verse for today. We're going to look at this a couple of times today, but I I want to lay the foundation kind of where we're going with this verse. Genesis chapter 22, we're going to look at verse 5. Abraham told his two young servants, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I are going over there to worship. Everybody say worship. The boy and I are going over there to worship. Then we will come back to you. George Barna, he does a lot of research for churches, and uh, he writes a lot of books and a lot of articles, and he studied millions of American Christians over the years, and he said this, he said out of his studies, he's discovered that the main reason millions of Americans go to church every single week is not to worship God, but instead to have a pleasing experience. He goes on to say that most Americans go to church to satisfy or please themselves, not to please and honor God. He said, amazingly, very few of the people that he interviewed said that worship is something that they do primarily for God. He said, instead, the much larger percentage of those who attend church services on a regular basis claim that they go to church for personal benefit and for pleasure. That's why we go to church. And when I read that, I was just kind of just blown away. Because as we have looked at in this series, worship is not about you. It's not about me. It's not about our our agenda. Worship is about him. And I hope and I pray that this series has challenged you. And I would tell you, by the way that you all worship today, I feel like we are getting it as a church. I feel like some of us are getting there and we are stepping out of our comfort zones. And I feel like worship is something that we are doing a better job offering up to the Lord. But if we're going to be the church that God has called us to be, we have to be a church that worships the Lord with everything we have inside of us. He, listen to me. When you walk through these doors on a Sunday morning, when you go to uh, work on a Tuesday or school on a Wednesday, listen to me, he must always be our primary focus. As believers, every single one of us, our primary purpose in life, our ultimate purpose in life is to serve, honor, and worship God. That's what we should do. And I hope that you've caught that from this series, that we want to be a people that honor God and worship him. Today, I want to talk with you about an incredible story from Genesis chapter 22. Before we dive into that, I want to pray over you guys. Lord, I just come and I pray for everybody in this room. I pray for those watching online today. I pray that you minister through this closing sermon on this series called Kingdom Worship. Lord, I pray that Destiny Church, through our best efforts as communicators, I pray that our church has caught the heart of worship. We have realized it's all about you. So today I pray that you give me clarity of thought and clarity of speech. Help me communicate what you desire today, Jesus. And I pray that every single one of us in this room and those watching online and those who might watch online weeks from now, I pray that they would hear this message and receive it. And I pray that we would become a generation of people that worship you. In your name we pray, amen. To close out this series, as I said, I I was gonna talk to you guys today From Amos chapter 9 and Acts chapter 15 that speak about David's makeshift tabernacle. But I just felt this nudge in my heart to actually take you back to the beginning of this message, the beginning of this series, and look at the very first kind of set of verses that we talked about. And then I want to kind of, from that, I want to take you to an Old Testament story. But John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24 kind of lays the foundation of this entire series. It says this, a time is coming... And has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And we looked at that, that's from the heart, from the inner self. For they, when it's, when it's what it says here, for they are the right kind of they are the kind of worshiper the Father seeks, it's meaning those who have the right heart posture. That's who he's looking for. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. Over the course of the last nine weeks, you've heard from myself, and from many of our staff. And I just want to say to every one of our communicators who have communicated during this series, you have blessed me as your pastor. Every one of you have done an incredible job. Um, I was, if I was in the room or watching you online, I was extremely proud to know that you are on staff here at Destiny Church. Every one of you did a great job. But we've, over the last nine weeks, we've talked about what worship is. We've talked about what worship isn't. We've told you that we were designed and created to worship the last two weeks. We've looked at the seven Hebrew words of praise. Last Sunday here at Republic, we had one of the most powerful services I've been in at Destiny Church. It was just incredible. It was beautiful. And my hope And my prayer is that through this series, we've all come to this conclusion that worship is ultimately, I want you to hear me about the posture of my heart. That's one of the things I hope you've, you've captured from this series is worship is really about what my heart's saying, not what my hands are saying. It's my heart. I hope you figured out that worship is not, I mean, I can kneel all day long but that doesn't mean I'm worshiping. I can raise my hands all day, but that doesn't mean I'm worshiping. My hope and my prayer and my desire is that through this series, we've realized that it's about a heart of worship. If our heart isn't bent toward heaven, really our worship is done in vain. If we don't worship with our hearts, our worship is done in vain. And John chapter four tells us that God is looking for people kind of this is the Chad Blancet paraphrase, but God is looking for people whose hearts are bent toward him. God is looking for people who love him with all of their heart. And what I want to do today is I actually want to take you back to the Old Testament. And I want to show you a beautiful story that I I believe is one of the most beautiful um, and terrifying stories in all of scripture. It's beautiful, but at the same time, it, it like freaks me out. But I think it's one of the most beautiful stories about a, a a man who has a heart that's bent toward heaven. I want to talk with you about this story today. Um, the Bible, there's those who study the Bible in a serious way. Um, they have something called the law of first mention. The law of first mention. This isn't necessarily a law like an Old Testament law. It's a rule. It's a principle. Um, but what it says is this is a way that people study Scripture. The law of first mention says that to understand a particular word, and you'll see kind of my definition here, but to study a particular word or a text or a doctrine, we, we need to find the first place in Scripture that that word or that doctrine or that idea or that text was revealed, and we need to study that passage. The reason being is these, stud- these scholars say if you can find the very first mention of a word, it gives you the most clear Simple picture of what that word is. So for the word worship, we initially find the word worship in Genesis chapter 18, verse two, and it's the word shakah, shakah. That's the first mention of the word or the idea of worship. Genesis 18, two, let's look at it here. Abraham looked up and he saw three men standing nearby. And when he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and he bowed. That's that word, shakah. And that means, that's that's our first mention of the concept of worship in Scripture. Let me explain to you how we get there. Um, it doesn't say the word worship. It's not the first time it says the word worship. I'm actually going to show you that in just a moment. But it's the ex- first expression that we really begin to see of worship, or the word bowed down means to worship. And ironically, this first mention of the idea of worship that we see in Scripture is a verb. Remember what I've told you throughout this series. Worship is a verb. It's not passive. It's active. So here in, second, in Genesis chapter 18, we see what happens here is Abraham entertains three strangers who turn out to be the Lord and two angels. And the Scripture tells us, when he saw them, he, shakha, he bowed down. And what that word means right there is like paying homage to a king or to a superior person. He bowed low in their presence to honor them. And that's the first place we see this idea of worship in Scripture. Well, the first mention of the word worship in Scripture, and you can go, if you, don't, if you think Pastor Chaz is blowing smoke to get us to believe him, you go and study this out. You will find that what I'm telling you is accurate. The very first mention of the word worship in the Bible is found in Genesis chapter 22, verse 18. So four chapters after Genesis 18, and this is the story we're going to look at today. We've already read that word, Genesis 22, 5. Stay here. Me and the boy are going to worship. That's the word. Worship. But we're going to look at this story, but this is the story of Abraham and his son Isaac. And from this story, I want to give you three traits or three qualities of a true worshiper. Remember, John chapter four says the father is looking for true worshipers. I want to give you, I think Abraham is the Old Testament example of somebody who worshiped the father in spirit and in truth. I want to give you three examples of that. But before we do, I think that this story merits a little bit of digging into the background. Because if I just read Genesis chapter 22 to you, there's some cool things there. But you need to understand the whole background of what's happening. So I want to teach you guys just a little bit. As I said at the beginning, Genesis chapter 22 is one of the craziest stories in all the Bible to me. It's one of the most beautiful, scary, iconic stories in all the Bible and uh, it's, it's just, it's just, it's just a crazy, crazy story. But anyway, many years before Genesis chapter 22, um, God called Abraham. And we see that God called him to be the father of many nations. Well, Abraham and Sarah had no children of their own. All right. So we see this. Well, God gave several years after he called them, God gave them a promise, a promise that they would have a son. And this promised son, this is very important, he would be of Abraham and Sarah's bloodline. He would come from their blood, Abraham and Sarah. And that through that bloodline, there would be a generation of people outnumbering the stars and the sand on the seashore. This is kind of the promise that God gives. And this might not be a big deal if you hear that, hey, they're going to have a son. I have, I have three of them, you know. That might not seem like such a big deal. But when you realize that up to this point, Abraham and Sarah have been unable to have children. But not only are they unable to have children, it's estimated that when God gives them this promise, they're somewhere between 70 and 80 years of age. And so get this promise that they're going to have a child. Well, I don't know about any of you 70 or 80 year olds in the room, but... I'm going to just start prophesying that all the, all the 50 plus are having kids. No, everybody's like, I'm out. I'm out of the church. Hey, I will say this. I've realized when I turned 47 years old, I turned, I'm i 47 now, and I'm like, I'm three years from 50 plus. When I get to 50, we're changing it to 60 plus. I'm just saying, all right? Just, I told that to Tasha. So we're changing it to 60 plus because I just, I'm not there. I'm not there. But anyway. But this story might seem weird, you know, like no big deal until you start to realize some of what's actually happening. And so Abraham and Sarah are well past childbearing age, and so they have, but they have this promise from God. I want you to hear this. So what Abraham and Sarah do is they wait several years and they still have no child, and so they come up with a plan. And so they're like, hey, this isn't happening. Maybe God didn't mean that Sarah, you would have the baby. Maybe God meant it would happen another way. And so Sarah... Goes to her servant Hagar, and she's like, "Hey, I want you to sleep with my husband." So my husband, I don't know. This is, I'm just telling you this is one of these weird stories. How many of you ladies would do that? You know, hey, would you sleep with? No, it's just not. It's just not something we do, right? So that's a weird part of this story to me. So Sarah goes to Hagar and says, "Will you sleep with my husband?" She's like, "Okay," and then she gets her husband in on it, and he's like, "Okay." right there. If you, men, if your wife ever comes to you and says that, just no. No, thank you. I'm not interested, all right? Not interested. But Abraham says, okay. And it does cause problems, but he, li- he lies with her, scripture tells us, and they have a child. And Abraham and Sarah begin to raise this child, but this pro- this, the problem is this child is not the promised child from God. Listen to me. Here's one thing the Lord has told me several times in my life, kind of push pause on our worship series, but here's what the Lord has told me. Chad, every time you go outside of my will, to do something I've asked you to do, what, what ends up happening is you have an Ishmael. And he said, oftentimes you have to get rid of the Ishmael before the promise can come. Okay? So just think about that. Wait on the Lord. And so Abraham and Sarah have this, and Lord comes to them in chapter 17. He says, hey, this isn't my plan. All right? Let's look at, let's look at this in chapter 17. God came to Abraham, verse 15. As for Sarah, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her, and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her, so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her, not Hagar. Right? The promised son is coming through Sarah. And Abraham and Abraham fell face down. And he laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. Remember, I'm just trying to lay some groundwork so, you, so we can get to Genesis chapter 22, because I truly want you to understand what's happening, and so you can truly truly understand what's happening with worship. But to understand this even a little bit more, in in Genesis chapter 21, skip ahead to Genesis chapter one, we see that Isaac is now born. We see that Isaac is born. The promised son is born to Abraham and Sarah. They have their own child. At this point, Abraham is around 100. Sarah is around 90 when they have their first child. Can you imagine this Um, at that point? They've waited a long time But the promise from God is finally fulfilled. But before we jump into chapter 22, I want you to see this. It's helpful to realize and to know, because this is why I want you to understand when you read Scripture. We need to understand all of it and not just blitz through Scripture. But when we read Genesis chapter 21 and it ends, we find Abraham and Isaac in a tent in a place called Beersheba. And then when we pick up Genesis chapter 22, some 20 years or so have passed. We don't know the exact exact amount of years but the closing of chapter 21 to the opening of chapter 22 we have about 20 years that have elapsed and we see Isaac and and Jake and, and Abraham in 21 at the well of Beersheba and God has built an and, and Abraham has built an altar and for 20 years Isaac has been this blessing he's been everything the family is happy life is great and then chapter 22 happens one of the craziest stories in all the Bible. Remember 22, five. we need to hold on to that. Abraham said to his servants, hey, me and the boy are going over here to worship, okay? That doesn't sound like such a big deal until you know everything that's happening in this story, and he says, and we'll be back to you. From the story of Genesis chapter 22, I want to show you three qualities of a true worshiper. You ready for these? Number one, a true worshiper recognizes. What do you mean? A true Worshiper recognizes who God is. A true worshiper recognizes who God is. Again, let's look at this story Genesis chapter 22, pick it up, verse 1. It says, After all this, Oftentimes, we just read through it and don't have a clue what that means. Again, that's talking about Genesis chapter 21. It's meaning 20 years or so have passed since Abraham and Isaac were at the well in Beersheba. Abraham is older. Isaac is older. He's probably, he's, he's a grown man by now, all right? So after all this, God tested Abraham. Again, some clarity here. It's not a test to per- to produce faith, but this is a test to reveal faith because for years God has taken Abraham and he's really been on the backside of the desert. And he has this promise from God. God has been producing faith in Abraham, and now he's coming to him to reveal that faith. He's getting ready to put Abraham's faith on forefront. And we see that if you go and look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 through 19, you can see where it's talking about Abraham's faith. So God is getting ready to bring out Abraham's faith to people. It's getting ready to be a sign for all this. So God's testing Abraham. And God said, hey, Abraham, And I want you to notice what happens next. Yes, Abraham said, I'm listening. This is huge. I think we just skip past scripture oftentimes. And we're just like, all right, let's get to the point. This is the point. None of Genesis 22 could have happened if Abraham hadn't have stopped and said, yes, Lord. I want you to catch this. Abraham from the beginning recognizes that it's God calling and he says, Yes, Lord, I'm listening. I want you to write this down. A true worshiper recognizes who God is. A true worshiper, they know God. Let me say it this way A true worshiper knows who it is they are worshiping. Yes, Lord. I'm listening. I hear you. John 4:22 again going back to the beginning of this series. Jesus speaking to the woman at the well. He says, "You Samaritans don't know who it is you're worshiping, but we Jews or we could put that today as followers of Jesus. We know who it is we are worshiping. I can stand here today and I raise my hands or I kneel or I sing or my I posture my heart in the right place because I know who it is that I'm worshiping." I recognize God for who he is. I know what he's done in my life. I know what he's going to continue to do in my life. I know he's the first, the last, the beginning, the end. I know he's my healer. I know he's my savior. So I recognize God. And when he speaks, I hear him. Therefore, I can become a true worshiper. If you don't know his voice, if you don't know who he is, if you just come to church and just go through the motions, but you don't have, as Ellie was talking about in in worship today, if you don't have a relationship with Him, your worship is really pointless. A true worshiper knows who God is. But the greatest way that you and I get to know who God is is we have to do the same thing Abraham did. We have to get to know God, we have to spend time with God. Listen to me Abraham didn't just wake up in Genesis chapter 22. After going to church two times a month for a few years? He didn't just wake up in Genesis chapter 22 after reading a little bit of the Bible when he wanted to or when he felt like he needed it. No, Abraham had years invested into his relationship with the Lord. He had walked with him. He had talked with him. He'd made mistakes. He had seen the mercy of God. He had failed. God had picked him up. He had spent time with God. He knew God. He walked with him. He he spent countless hours alone with the Lord. So this is the way he knew God. But listen, If he hadn't spent that time with God, he never would have known God. And so some of us, we come into this place to worship, and we're like, why do they act that way? Why do they scream? Why do they jump up and down? Why do they raise their hands? Why do they weep during worship? It's because they've been with Jesus, and they know who he is, and they know what he's done, and they know what he's capable of. And so when I worship today, it's not just some kind of emotion. It's not just something I just feel like doing. No, I know who he is and I recognize him as God and therefore I know that he is worthy of my praise and that's why I worship. Are we getting this? Abraham spent time with God and so when Abraham, when God calls him and Abraham says, yes, Lord, he's had years and years and years spent with the Lord. He knew God's voice. He had a lot of skin put in the game. Listen, if you and I are going to know God so we can truly worship God, we have to spend time with God. And how do we spend time with God? Well, obviously through prayer, right? I think think we need to be faithful in God's house. I think there's something very special about being in God's house. And I know people think you're a pastor, you just want the church full. That's, not, that's honestly not the case. I know from personal experience, there's something about being in God's house that's sacred and special. And things happen here in this room that for some reason, they don't always, like. when I'm by myself or watching online, it doesn't happen the same. There's something special about being in the community of believers. So we need that. But even more, I think we need to be in the word. How do we spend time with him in today's world? We have to be in the word. Listen, a lot of us are looking for a word when the word already has a word for you. We're looking for, God, would you speak to me? He already has. There's pages and pages and pages and notes specifically to you for the moment you're in, for the season you're in. It's in this word. He wants to talk to you. It's here. It's found here. Psalm 119, 105 says, by your words, I can see where I'm going. They throw a beam of light on my dark path. By, by his word, I get to know him. Listen to me. As you dig into his word, as you study his word, as you meditate on the Bible, I begin to realize as the more I get in scripture, I want you to hear me. I want you to hear this. The more I dig into this book, the more I begin to realize that worship is so much more than what we just did for 20 minutes this morning. The more I begin to dig into worship and the more I begin to dig into scripture, I realize that God is worthy of my worship, that God desires my worship, that God designed me to worship. The more I dig into it. Listen, some of you had never heard those seven Hebrew words of praise we talked about last week, but those words mean worship, hands raised, kneeling, shouting, raising our hands in advance and thanking God for what he's getting ready to do, not only what he's done. It's biblical. Worship is god honoring. But listen, if all I do is come to church on a Sunday every once in a while and just hear the pastor say I need to worship, I'm not going to think anything about it. But when I spend time with God, number one, I'm going to realize that it's biblical to worship, but as I spend time with him and he begins to whisper to me through his word, I'm going to begin to desire to worship him. Why? Because I realize he saved me, he healed me, he did this in my life, he did that in my life and I know through his word who God is and to make makes me want to worship him. I have to spend time with God to become a worshiper. It's why we're created. Listen to me. The more time you spend with God in his word, and more than just on Sundays, I want you to hear me write this down. The more time I spend with God, the more my heart is going to worship God. Let me say it this way. Knowing God leads to a life of worship. Knowing God recognizing God leads to a life of worship. And I I can attest to this. The more I spend time with him, the more I desire to worship him. So number one, a true worshiper recognizes who God is. Number two, a true worshiper responds. Let me get there. I'll explain that in just a moment. A true worshiper can't just recognize who God is. Listen to me. Because there is a lot of people in this world that recognize God. They know who he is. The Bible even tells us about the Pharisees, Matthew 15, 9. These people make a big show of saying the right thing, but their heart, remember, it's about the heart. God's looking for true worshipers that worship him in spirit and It's about our heart. Is my heart in the right place? If you get anything in this message, in this room, online, listen to me. Is my heart in the right place? These people make he's talking about the religious crowd. They knew who God was. They make a big show of saying the right thing, but their heart isn't in it. They act like they're worshiping, but they don't mean it. Listen to what it says here from the message translation. They're just using me as cover. Hmm. I want you to hear me today. A lot of people in this world know who God is. A lot of people, there's a reason. Even it's, This is still one of the number one selling books of all time. It's still in the top selling list even today. A lot of people have read this. A lot of people know who God is. They might even acknowledge him. But listen to me, until you respond to God, until you respond to who God is, it's really pointless, your worship. I can say I know who God is, but that doesn't make me a worshiper until I respond to God. Look at Genesis chapter 22, again, talking about Abraham. Pick it back up in verse 1 again. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. But listen to verse 2. Then then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice. What? Do what, Lord? We'll get there in just a minute. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. But listen to verse three. This, this is this is, a, this is a worshiper right here. Early the next morning, Abraham ran and hid from God. Is that what it says? No. Early the next morning, Abraham responded. Verse one and two, we see that he recognizes who God is. But don't you see this? Verse three, Abraham is responding. I think if you get anything today, a true worshiper responds to God. Many of you in this room, you recognize God. You've heard God whisper something to you. But that's not what makes you a worshiper. What makes us a is when we begin to respond to God. Abraham got up the next morning, loaded his donkey, took with him his two servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set, listen. he set out to find the place that God told him about. What an incredible, beautiful, scary, horrific, crazy story. In verse three, we recognize, we see not only did Abraham recognize God's voice, but most importantly, Abraham responded. He didn't just say, I heard you, God, but I got other plans. I might get to it one day. No, he responds. I think this is what a lot of us do. We recognize God's voice, but God, I'm going to put you on the back burner. I got something more pressing to do. I got something I'd rather do. We hear God. But we keep doing our own thing. When I was studying this message, I thought this is what it feels like to be a parent. How many of you parents have ever told your kids, hey, clean your room? Okay, dad, I'll get right to it. Three days later, still not been touched and it smells like dead animals are in there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Or like, hey, do the dishes. Okay, dad, I hear you. And four days later, there's like, like plants now growing out of the dishes, right? Anybody ever been there? We hear the voice oftentimes, but we're too busy doing what we want to do to respond to God. Anybody getting this? A true worshiper, we can't just say, I hear you. A true worshiper responds. God is looking for people who, like Abraham, are true worshipers. They recognize him, and then they respond. Yes, Lord, I hear you, and yes, Lord. One of the most beautiful things about this story is not just the fact that Abraham responded. It could have said, and two weeks later, Abraham set out on the journey, and it still would be a beautiful picture, but what just blows me away is it says, early the next morning, he didn't wait, because when I wait, that's when I begin to question, was this really God? No, a worshiper, that's why sometimes I've I've, I've kind of, I think, put myself down and said I'm a gunslinger, because there's times when I feel like the Lord says something, I'm like ready to, but no, for me, I've lived my life, if the Lord says it, I can't wait. I've got to respond, I've got to do it now, because I know me, if I wait, if I procrastinate sometimes, I'm going to get caught up in other things. But a true worshiper responds, listen man, I want you to hear this today, worship isn't just this. Worship is taking this right here and it's putting it towards God. And as our heart is bent toward God and we are in this place where we're in love with God and we know God because I now have been spending time with him and as my heart is in the right place and then God says, hey, Chad, do this. Then it's easy for me to do that. Listen to me. Worship is not simply raising my hands. Worship is responding. Worshiping is obedience. Are you getting this today? Trying to teach you guys. Abraham had opportunities to reconsider and rebel. Did I imagine this voice? Have you ever done that? Was that really you, God? Procrastinate? Have you ever procrastinated? Who's ever procrastinated with God? Am I the only unholy person in the room? Eight of you have. The rest of you, you are like really anointed, holy people. I am, you should be on the stage, not me. But there's been times, listen, there's been times I procrastinated so long that it then became impossible for me to obey because I missed the moment. And listen to me, in my disobedience, I could stand there with my hands raised. Am I worshiping? No, because my heart's in their own posture. Are we getting this? Perhaps Abraham could pretend he never heard the command. Any Any of your kids ever done that one? Well, Dad, I didn't hear you. Yes, you did hear me. You just chose not to respond. Let's say it this way. Any of you ever pretended to not hear your spouse? Come on, be honest, raise your hand. There's a few of us that are honest. Listen to me, I want you to hear me. It's one thing to like not respond to your spouse or your parent or your child it's a completely different thing to respond, to not respond or to ignore the call of God. I want you to put yourself in Abraham's shoes for just a moment. I want you to hear me and I'm going to start wrapping this up. What if God came to you today with a seemingly far-fetched idea? What would you do? How would you respond? If God came to you today and said, I need you to pack it all up and move. But God, no, I need you to. What would you do? If God told you today to take everything you had in your wallet and in your pocket and give it, what would you do? If God came to you today and said, I want you to quit your job and take a step of faith, what would you do? If God told you, hey, that person who's hurt you very deeply, I want you to call them up today and tell them you love them. What would you do? How would you respond if God came to you with some seemingly far-fetched idea? Would you ignore it? It's too difficult. I can't do it. Would you hope that you heard wrong and go back to the drawing board and go back to prayer? Lord, let's try this again. I think I missed you. Would you look for loopholes? How would you respond? You see, Abraham didn't look for a loophole, he was obedient. And listen to me today one of the most crucial elements, see, we think oftentimes what we think of worship is all about this. One of the most crucial elements, I want you to hear me, one of the most crucial elements of worship is obedience. Obedience. Listen to what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 15. What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. Look at Psalm 51, verse 16 and 17. You don't want penance. This is, this is David talking to God. You don't want penance. If you did, how gladly I would do it. You aren't interested in burnt in offerings burned before you on the altar. It's a broken spirit you want. Remorse and penitence, a broken and contrite heart. Lord, you don't you don't reject. What are these verses saying? Sacrifice has its place. But if I'm saying I'm sacrificing but I'm not obeying, it's in vain. It's in vain. Worship is all about obedience. It's about my heart posture. God is looking for people who have the right posture of their heart. God is looking for people who will obey. John 14, 15, we've looked at this verse several times the last few years as a church. If you've walked through freedom, you've heard this verse. John 14, 15, though, tells us, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. If you, what's he saying? If you love me, you recognize me, you've gotten to know me, you're gonna respond to me. That's what this verse is saying. If you recognize me, you know me as God, you're going to respond. You're going to do what I've asked you to do. God is looking for people who will respond. Number one, true worshipers are people who recognize who God is. Number two, true worshipers respond to God. And then number three, true worshipers release. What do I mean? True worshipers have open hands. True worshipers, let's say it this way, true worshipers give God their very best. True worshipers give God they're very best. Let's look at Genesis chapter 22, verse two. God said, listen to what he's saying here. Take your son, your only son. Remember, we talked, we, I gave you a little bit of background. I wanted to give you the background so you'd understand this. Ishmael at this point, one thing I didn't tell you is God told Abraham he had to send Ishmael away. Ishmael is gone. Ishmael and Hagar, God said, that's not the promise. I'll bless him, but it's not gonna be blessed in your house. Send him away. So Isaac's the only one left. And God says, I want you to take your son. And God says, your only son, whom you love. And I want you to go and I want you to sacrifice him there. Can you imagine this, guys? Do what, Lord? This is my only son. This is my best and only. This is the one you promised. This is the one we made mistakes over. This is the one we cried over. This is the one we laughed at you about. This is the only son, God. This is the son you promised. You said. That you would bless me through this ch- son. Now you're telling me to get rid of this son? Can you imagine this right here? Now you want me to sacrifice him? God, surely you don't mean give my best son. It doesn't make any sense. And I'll tell you, this is, I've said it multiple times, this is one of the craziest stories in the Bible, but it's one of the most difficult ones for me to fathom. We have the ability to have hindsight, right? And we get to look at scripture and know that God never intended for Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. He literally was producing faith, right? It was testing faith, revealing faith. But Abraham didn't know it at that point in time. Here's what's beautiful to me. Abraham was willing to do it. That's a true worshiper. And that's the place we have to get to as a church. And that's what God is looking for. God is looking for people. Listen to me. It's not about when the music's being played, I lift my hands. Hey, you look good. But it's on a Tuesday when you don't feel like it. But your heart is in that right place. And you're obedient to the Lord. That's worship. That's what God is looking for. And if our heart is bent toward him, and then when we walk into a room when music's played, we just can't help but express it. Why? Because my heart's in the right place. I think the reason a lot of us struggle in worship is because our heart's not in the right place our heart isn't bent toward God we don't recognize who God is we haven't responded to him so therefore I can't give him my very best because why would I give somebody my best who I don't trust who I don't know, who I don't believe in but if you get to the place where you know that you know that you know that he is God and God comes to you with some seemingly far fetched idea and he says would you do this for me, you have open hands, and you say, yes, Lord, whatever you ask of me. This is where Abraham was. And I know that God would never ask any of us to do this today. I would lay down my own life before I would ever give up on any of my kids. Before I'd give up on my wife. But I will say, Destiny Church, that God is coming to us And he's asking us to give him our best. And as we close out this series on worship, Destiny Church, as your pastor, I'm coming to you and I'm asking you, will we... Be a church that is full of worshipers like God is looking for, who give our lives. We give our dreams. We give our desires. We lay down our bank accounts if they necessary. We lay down whatever it might be, my job, my future. This is what God is asking of us. God is looking for worshipers whose heart is fully postured to Him, and He comes to us and we say, I'll give you all that I have, all that I am, all that I desire. God. It's yours. That is the place of worship. And when you can come to that place, then you can know that heaven is looking down and smiling and say, That's a worshiper. Will we be that people? Will we be that church? It's all yours, God. Take it. You can have it. I've worked hard for this, God. I've worked hard for my reputation. I've worked hard for my name. I've worked hard for what's in my bank account. I've worked hard for my house. I've worked hard to get to this place in my job. But God, if you want it, it's yours. God, if you want it, it's yours. I want to tell you guys something. I wasn't planning on this. But the last few years, you know, you guys have heard me and Tasha talk for seven years. It was like a, there was a struggle in in our church and in the ministry and all that. And about two years ago, Tosh and I came to the place and we had, we had other offers on the table to leave Destiny Church. And we came to that place where we were really considering it. It was like, do I wanna be the main guy anymore? And I came to that place and I was like, yes, Lord, I'm ready. And then as soon as we said yes, Lord, both of us, we're like, yes. We talked to our kids about it. Hey, what would you guys think about this? And our kids were kind of like, okay, let's do this. As soon as we came to that place, it was like the Lord shut all those doors and rekindled our fire for Destiny Church. And it was like in prayer one day, the Lord was just like, I wanted to see if you'd be willing to lay down what you'd work so hard for. And I think now we're moving into a season of anointing and ministry like we've never known at Destiny Church, not because we just stayed faithful but because we we're willing to sacrifice it. Because whether you believe it or not, Destiny Church for Tosh and I is like one of our children. We birthed this through literal blood, sweat, and tears. I'm telling you that because some of you have some things that you're, you're it's like we have like sections of our life that we'll give to God, but other things we won't. Until you can say, Lord, it's all yours, I have to ask you, Are you really a worshiper? That's what God's looking for. If we read the rest of the story, Genesis chapter 22, they're gonna pull this up. I'm just gonna quickly paraphrase this, verse five through 14. Again, we know that verse, verse five. So what's all this about, right? God's testing Abraham. Abraham recognizes God. Verse three, Abraham responds to God. Verse five, we see that this is all about worship. And Abraham goes... And he gets him there. One of the craziest stories to me in this whole thing is when Isaac says, hey, dad, I don't see a lamb. What are we gonna sacrifice? Listen to the faith of Abraham. He knows he's taking his son, but somewhere in the back of his mind, he knows that God's got this, and he said, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. And he gets there, and he ties his son up on the altar, and the Lord says, don't touch him. And in that moment, there's a lamb that appears. And Abraham sacrifices that lamb. And from that moment forward, it's blessed. Abraham's blessed. Isaac is blessed. All of that. What a beautiful picture of worship. And that's what God is asking of us, Destiny Church. Will we recognize him? Will we respond to him? But most importantly, will we release all that we have to him? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you'd like to learn more about Destiny Church, how to get connected, or give online, visit destinychurch.me. Have a great week.